It's spoiler in time. This is the show that is in the Cord Killers universe, the Cord Killers extended universe, where on Cord Killers, we talk about how to watch things. On spoiler in time, we talk about what we watched. This week, we're going to talk about season one of Peacemaker, going to encapsulate the whole season. We're going to talk about the Righteous Gemstones season penultimate episode, episode eight of season two, and Raised by Wolves episode four of season two. I'm Tom Merritt. He's Brian Brushwood. Yeah, but more importantly, we get to feast with a whole group of people, including Hollywood's own Meryl Barr. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm back. Yay. Can't wait to talk about Peacemaker. So excited. All right. Let's start with Peacemaker. Talking about the whole season from start to finish. Brian, what'd you think? Uh, loved it, loved it, loved it. Uh, I, I have not been shy about talking about it on other podcasts. Um, but before we go in, I would kind of love to know where was everybody's expectations for this? Because I liked but didn't love the Suicide Squad. I thought it was, it, I was happy to see more James Gunn, uh, but um, I'm not especially enamored of the the D-list characters from the DC universe or even the DC universe in general. That's just, where where I'm coming from, but I was pleasantly surprised. I was blown away by Peacemaker. Uh, it kept surprising and delighting in ways that just got better and better and better. I, I was shocked how much I loved it because there's a thousand reasons why I really shouldn't have. Like it was it was a cynic. It felt it it was developed in a in a James Gunn fugue state while he was editing. The uh, the movie, the Suicide Squad movie, um, and that means I shouldn't like it because it's doing that auteur eight episode movie thing that I don't like. John Cena's character is a straight up villain in the movie, and uh, the recontextualing of him into an antihero is okay. Uh, well, he becomes a villain at the end of the movie, I should say. Um, and like, just I and also just Gun wrote every episode, and that, that can be hit or miss, and. I was shocked at how enjoyable it was. And you, you kind of, all those problems kind of go away as you watch the first episode and realize, oh, this is like, this is a fever dream of a show. And I'm in for all, you're either in for that fever dream or you're not in for that fever dream. And I was so in for the fever dream. Tom? I expected something along the lines of other DC shows that are on HBO Max. Instead, <laughs> I got a commentary and a hilarious uh, like patter uh, and an amazing opening dance. And uh, we talked about oh the opening God. dance before, but, <laughs> but sets the you know, tone. So let's, yeah. Well, let's, we don't need to spend too much time on that, but it is one of the only shows that I don't skip the intro after the first couple of times. Uh, and I was blown away by how transparent and yet how effective I thought James Gunn was at explaining, this is how I ended up on Suicide Squad. Uh, I was once a person who believed dumb things. Peacemaker is a person who once believed dumb things. We're going to surround him with people who gently correct him, maybe sometimes don't gently, but still correct him, and show that Peacemaker himself was not an evil person. And we're going we're gonna to set that off for you by having his father be an actual evil person so that you can see Here's someone who just isn't thinking very straight or doesn't really know what they're saying or hasn't experienced things. Here's an evil person. And let's show you the differences. And we're not going to let Peacemaker off the hook. We're going to have a series of characters around them who are like, yeah, this is why that's not okay or not cool or you shouldn't do that. While also weaving in what, what Meryl talked about, which is 
you know, the recontextualizing of a villain, a.k.a. Peacemaker, uh, as a an anti-hero, which to me was almost beside the point after the rest of the things that Gunn did. Uh, uh, so, so Bryce is in a unique position in that <laughs> you're only halfway <laughs> okay. through. I, I, I would love to get the midway through uh, experience. Uh, I finished episode three last night. And okay, I didn't have enough time, but I, I still really dig it. I'm okay, the so only person on the planet who doesn't like the opening sequence. Sorry, no, nope, you it, but, also my daughter. Uh, uh, she, she also was not <laughs> oldest. Your oldest daughter? Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. Uh, <laughs> But uh, uh, I, no, I, I really dig it. I'm like, yeah, I could see she, she wouldn't. Like yeah. I, I really dig it. It's really fun. And, and uh, uh, talking about kind of the auteur style, you can hear James Gunn's voice in every script. You can very much like how you can tell Joss Whedon's lines in uh, the first Avengers. Like, yeah, mm. man, that's that's just the thing that he does. Uh, but I, I really dig it. It doesn't. It's crass without being, um, I don't know, trying to be it, overly it, gross. It's. As far as I've gone, but it's good. Brian, I dig it. I mean, Brian, you, you made me. it to the PowerPoint presentation, right? Uh, I, I, the no, that's four. No, that's four. I only just got to where they actually found out what a butterfly is. They got saw okay. a butterfly. Well, uh, uh, spoiler for you, uh, at the beginning of episode four, they literally have a PowerPoint presentation where they explain <laughs> the entire series, and it's hilarious <laughs> and great. That's great. And once you get past it, you're going to be buckled in for the whole ride, I and, think. Like, uh, for a show that took till the end of episode three for you to know who the bad guys were or what the like great hey you know what that is a very difficult thing to do um and it's a testimony to like how well these characters are written and how how good the performances are also uh, the, yeah. brian tell me if you agree this show would make makes it for a great double feature binge, not well, double series binge with harley quinn this uh, and Harley Quinn are perfect yes. together. Uh, there, there was definitely, I don't know if you caught the Easter eggs uh, uh, that, that again, they're DC Easter eggs, so it's hard to even call them an Easter egg. But, but after having watched Harley Quinn, I was very primed for, uh, for the voice of, 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 of the direction and writing of Peacemaker. I think that helped out tremendously. I, you know what? The more, the more I'm talking this out, the more I full-throatedly agree. Yeah, I, I think that's the way to do it. I think the other interesting thing is is James Gunn showed uh, no, it's not just uh, late seventies hits that I can weave in. Uh, <laughs> what what if I just pick hair metal as a genre, and I'm gonna I'm gonna pick yeah. <laughs> the perfect hair metal song, uh, not only for the open but for for every moment uh, in the show, including having them sing uh, a Hanoi Rocks song and may and, and and pull a tear from your eye at the camaraderie that it inspires. I just thought that was genius how he pulled that off. Uh, what did you think of the structure of having kind of either extended takes of bits that were in the show or cutting room or, hey, let's just have some fun with it takes after the credits? Um, uh, I they, they never went out of their way to explain what they're doing, but intuitively it's like, this is a scene you remember. Here's some other... I don't know. I don't know what this is. Just do you want to watch we it? We just let John Cena riff, and here's more of the riff that we right. didn't use. Yeah, I like that honestly more than if there was a post credit at the end of every episode because it it lets it it, it kind of showed that like no, this is a singular story. There's not extra stuff. There's we don't want to tease things. The story is the story, but audiences of these kinds of media have really gotten used to there being stuff at the end after the credits. So they're like, 
Well, let's give you something. Let's give you something that you'll like. And here's more of one of the funny scenes from. I, I almost felt like it was a creative outlet where they could say, God, that is such a great riff. It's a shame it doesn't work. And so instead of either making a bad decision and leaving it in and throwing off the rhythm of the episode or letting it sit on the cutting room floor and, and never getting seen, they're like, what if we just put the full riff at the end of the show? That way people can see the brilliance of the improv, but it, it won't interrupt the meter. It was it was a little bit of a peek behind the curtain into the culture that they created on set because everybody yeah. clearly is having a good time. And the, the, the sheriff moment when he's giving the speech, like very quickly, he's way off the speech that he's giving to the television. And very clearly everybody on set has been told, no, 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 try to play it straight like this is the show. And you could tell the sheriff is trying to crack up everybody on set, but n everybody is refusing and they're staying in character and it only makes it more and more fun. I, I, I'm smiling even thinking about it. It's so great. Yeah. The other thing is on that improvisation thing, they really let everyone go. Like this, that, that's a nat, that's a, that's something really uh, inherent to more television than film. In television, especially after enough time with a cast and crew uh, for this long, they just start going off and getting a little crazy. The great TV shows know how to play into that. This is an example of that. Like, it's it's a great, this is classic television. It's got your classic streaming era thing where it's one story, eight episodes, very, very serialized, uber serialized in a lot of ways. But... It really plays like a television Cliff show, Singer and I in the really chat, appreciate that. Uh, answered a question that was on my mind, which was, for the life of me, I couldn't have guessed on the PowerPoint scene whether or not the list of that, that John <laughs> Cena runs off on was improvised or, or if he was reading it off of a cue card. And according to Cliff Singer in the podcast, apparently just John Cena went for 20 minutes nonstop <laughs> just, to, just without a break. He named BTS, by the way. He, he named BTS, which I, I had to, to show to my wife, and she's like, oh, yeah, John Cena's a huge K-pop I wonder. <laughs> it's if, amazing. I, I genuinely want to know if he named Dwayne Johnson and they cut it or if he didn't go there. I want to know so bad. But can we talk about the cameo in the finale? The or rather the four cameos in the finale. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's fine. I uh, um, what's funny is I'm so disengaged from the movie DC universe that I legitimately didn't know. Uh, I assumed from context clues that they were all played by the actual actors from the movies or whatever. But uh, uh, I do well, like Aqu the fact Aquaman and Barry Allen were definitely played by the, the actors. Well, the they movie. had the CG mod. The, he got the CG models from the Snyder movies to use them. So it is the Henry Cavill and Gal Gadot CG models. That's why you don't see their faces. Gotcha. Um, uh, but regardless, but love... it's now apparently canon that um, uh, Aquaman has a fetish. <laughs> <laughs> well, Aquaman would disagree, but... Uh, much like, uh, yeah, much like uh, Batman and Harley Quinn. <laughs> but Barry and Peacemaker seem to think it's true. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, uh, I I thought that that was real. I, I, like, I... This is where I think DC is letting, uh, doing things that Marvel won't let their characters do. I, there's no world where they were, okay, uh, uh, fantasy scenario, they do a Deadpool show, right? Ryan Reynolds, Deadpool for eight episodes. We're going to follow him all around. And then at the end of it, the Avengers, and then at the end of it, the Avengers show up. There is no world where uh, Tom Holland's Spider-Man is going to say the F word. That's not going to happen. I. Uh, it could happen in the DC universe show. And that I appreciate. 
Yeah, I thought uh, I thought there were some other ways in which Peacemaker benefited from being DC as well. Uh, they, and and a, this isn't a criticism of the Marvel shows, but the Marvel shows have to feed a larger narrative. Peacemaker very clearly didn't. Like it it had some hooks it had to hang off of, but it's not. There's no DC extended universe that it it was like ah they're obviously setting up uh, yeah. this villain for for the future X movie. It was it, they were allowed to just have fun. Uh, along the way, can we give a brief nod to the acknowledgement that somebody who becomes somebody like Peacemaker comes to that place from a place of very extraordinary deep pain. That moment when he's doing bong rips and remembering his childhood and trying to jam out. It's like I was, I was half on the edge of just bursting into tears at, at you know, the monstrous childhood that that he had to go through. It, it's it, it was a very James Gunn maneuver. Uh, th- there's a lot of deep family issues, including out of bio, uh, not not the least of which. Oh yeah, right? yeah. Uh, yeah. And that 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 depth allows the comedy to play because you don't start to feel like yeah, it's fun, but it's shallow. Like it's it 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 works on all the levels. The only the only thing I worry about now is now they've confirmed there's going to be a second season. The second season one will not be written in a fugue state the way this one was, where if you don't, everyone doesn't know the story very quickly. James Gunn's editing Suicide Squad. He's in lockdown. He's got nothing to do. He's bored out of his mind. And all he could think to do is write eight episodes of Peacemaker. And then went to uh, Warner and was like, you want to do it? And maybe he wrote one episode. I don't know how he actually did it versus Hear what he that says, Hollywood but... cause more pain to James Gunn. <laughs> <laughs> my only, so my only worry is going into season two, um, he is writing it alone. There won't be a writer's room, but it's not going to be in that same fugue state place. Is it one and done, or is it going to be that it can live? It's going to have a lot to live up to because this really— So you're saying we need to buy James Gunn some daddy grass or something and just yes. you know, get him in a fugue state? <laughs> daddy grass! Uh... <laughs> very good Tom. um but uh like i want i want to be hopeful i want to be hopeful i want to believe that they know their show and that it that watching another adventure with these people works out um i want to hope for the best on that i want more eagerly oh yep. my god yeah i want eagerly to cameo like the like i want eagerly to cameo in other dc films and just fl- you see him flying overhead once in a while it's like, you know what ah. just every time you see a bird that's eagerly <laughs> that's eagerly uh one of the things that struck me partway through the finale was oh this story really isn't that great or complicated that's why it's that's I'm worried about James Gunn writing them all by himself on the second oh, season. Like that, that is not for me. That's not a worry. It was like, Oh, he knows how to garnish. Well, like the story's strong enough, right? This it's, isn't, well, a, very this isn't about the story being uh, great. This is about the world and the characters and the execution being great. Yeah. The, the story is very paint by numbers. It's, we have to go stop the alien threat. Yeah. The alien threat has a giant alien kaiju. We have to kill the kaiju, and then the aliens will die. Like oh, it's, a little bad about killing the the big the the cow. Um, so such neotenous eyes. Yeah. So, uh, like that's the only thing. That's the only thing that worries me is I the plotting. I feel like yes. Is a the only thing weak, that worries but... you is that he might be happy and whole and not have pain to put <laughs> into the page. <laughs> we we hear you. You are heard. Yeah. All right. Any other thoughts on Peacemaker season one? No, I'm good. Meryl? 
I'm good. I'm happy. All right. Well, I am good as Peacemaker was good. So that's Peacemaker season one. And we're going to say goodbye to Meryl. Thanks so much, Meryl Barr. Thanks for having Once me. Thank you, Meryl. Let folks know where they can go find you. Uh, Twitter.com slash Meryl Barr, M-E-R-R-I-L-L-B-A-R-R. Excellent. The best names have double consonants, as I always say. Thanks again, Meryl. Bye. Hi. I'm more done? of a double vowels kind of guy. Yeah. Are you? I could go double. Would. Consonant. Would you say that? <laughs> Should uh, I? All right. <laughs> <laughs>